three, go. Welcome to the Sales Prospector Show, supported by Lease A Sales Rep and Inc. 5000 Company, helping our clients grow sales by securing guaranteed appointments, qualified leads, and guaranteed contracts for their services and products across the U.S. I'm your host, Gil Pagan. You can also find us at leasealsrep.com, and we are on all the major social media channels. Just search for us at leasealsrep, and we will pop up in your screen. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing uh, Simon Lamy, who is the founder of the brain wheel and he is the chief brain of the brain wheel uh, he's located in london uh, and he has a growing uh, presence uh, in the u.s with u.s customers and he's a, a, a experienced marketing guy consultancy guy uh, agency guy and he's going to share a little bit about his background and what the brain wheel does and we're going to get into a real good question and answer period here with them. Welcome, uh, Simon, to the show. Gil, thank you so much for having me. It's really great to be speaking to you from across the pond as well. So you can probably see in the background, it's, been, uh, it's evening time here. And uh, I know it's lunchtime with you, so um, really good to be doing it. That's right. No, I'm glad that you could be with us. And uh, tell us a little bit about you know, your background and, and, and how you came to start uh, the brain wheel and you became the chief brain. Well, there was a cartoon series called Pinky and the Brain. Um, and okay, I don't know if they have it over there in London across the pond. You're nodding yes. Okay. Yeah, they do. Uh, they definitely do. <laughs> right, so you're the brain, I guess. Uh, I'm not sure there's an association there. But anyway, go ahead and tell us how you started it and your background uh, and then we'll go from there. Of course, definitely. So yeah, I mean, the chief brain, it was quite a journey to, to get here. So I spent about 14 years working in marketing. So working in marketing agencies, so like Saatchi and Saatchi was my very first place where I started. So really big place to start, really good place to cut your teeth. And then I got heavily into things like strategy and insight and customers and understanding them and building really big campaigns for some of the world's um, very big brands from like Honda, worked on Coca-Cola, social media work, um, digital work, lots of content work, um, quite a varied background, you know, and I got deeply into sort of things like marketing science and really robust sort of case studies looking at hundreds of brands across the world, and you really get a nice picture of what works and what doesn't. And so I had a change of circumstance, so we've got... Um, it's challenging working in up in London because of the hours and you know, I didn't get to see my, my family so much. So we had a big, big shift in lifestyle and uh, there's a huge pressure as well because I felt that I wanted to, there's an awful lot of internet marketing advice that is terrific. There's some really good few people out there, but what really shocked me was when I went out on my own was that the standards of, um, the standard of marketing advice in some places is highly questionable and it was really at odds with this sort of, real rigor that I'd, I'd got over 14 years. So I suddenly felt kind of this big, big surge to kind of write, write a lot of wrongs. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so it was a real impetus, not just to kind of have a, have a business where I could be around my family more, but actually I just want to do something really good and uh, to really help um, medium sized and small businesses in particular and startups and give them like the advice from what I know really works, not just one off case studies and, you know, finger in the air type thinking. So yeah, that was, that was a big, that was a really big thing for me to do. So, and it's going very well actually. So yeah. Well, good for you. Um, and so when you were looking at um, marketing gurus, if you will, or marketing agencies or consultants, yeah. and um, a lot of them have a very similar approach to uh, lead generation or strategy or what have you, I guess. So uh, share a little bit about what, you saw in the marketplace, obviously, from your agency experience, and then you went into your own business and kind of how you're like um, disrupting the market, if you will, with, the, with your kind of approach. Of course, of course. I think that the one thing that really is quite different from the world I came from is that you have, you have an awful lot of time dedicated to building trust in people's brains. Mm 
and so you know you can do big billboards and tv ads and youtube videos and things like that and that and that's and that is good to a point often it, it can be fluffy and not really lead to leads and i'm very aware that marketing uh, versus sales there's a huge debate there and quite rightly so you know sales guys have <laughs> you know yeah let me interrupt you a little bit uh, for, for our listeners there's always this big and you kind of hit a very good point there uh, simon very good point about marketing and sales right that people kind of blend those two terms together and there's kind of a lot of gray but for us and you can correct me if you agree or correct me if you, you know if you don't agree marketing is lead gen right branding all that sales is where that, that lead that comes into us and we start talking to that customer to try to close the deal. So we're right. That's kind of so marketing is lead gen branding, name recognition mm -hmm. and sales are, you know, we're, we're talking to the guy and the gal we're closing them. Mm -hmm. Is that, you agree? That's it. That, mate, that's, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And uh, yeah, actually just to go off on a small tangent, but it's really relevant is that, you know, I've worked on a big marketing marketing brands for a huge uh, online software company, a big global piece, and we spent like, hours and days and weeks coming up with, well, the team I inherited did with lots of content, you know, white papers to drive leads to the sales team. And I got on this big call about I was two weeks into the job, and I was inheriting like I don't know, ten months worth of work, mm. and the one guy on the call said, "You haven't driven any leads to us. You put nice flashy ads up." You've written white papers, we've and we've got very questionable names, and we all the leads we get we have to find in our local market ourselves as well. Mm -hmm. So I fully appreciate that. Actually, coming from now, I'm working for small businesses and startups and some medium-sized businesses. There's a real pressure and an important pressure to try and drive leads. And for me, the most important thing is actually getting that trust in customers' minds first of all. And I know trust is kind of an obvious word to say, but when you unpick into the neuroscience about how people's brains work there's a in the prefrontal cortex right at the right at the front of your brain there is a it's almost like a switch that turns off if somebody feels they're being sold to straight away and um, it's really really interesting so when I was um, first starting out and looking at a lot of these sort of internet gurus going back to what you were saying earlier it was buy now, buy my click funnels, Facebook advertising course, and you'll be a millionaire tomorrow stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think the only customers you really get when you do that are the ones who are really desperate or the ones, ones who are going to cause you an awful lot of problems. And so there was, no, there was no filter to actually work out who are the decent leads to get. So from a business owner's point of view, I'm thinking this would be an awful way to get clients. I think I would not like to have the clients who click the buy now button after seeing one video. because so they're going to be really difficult to work with. And, um, you know, they're going, to, they're going to be desperate and they're going to make a lot of complaints. But actually, what's, what's, what I've come, come to learn is that you have, to have a, you have to have a filter. You know, you've got to wheedle out the bad ones. <laughs> you've, got, you've got to find the good ones. And that's why I think pre-questionnaires before you get, any leads and trying to convert them into sales like it's such an important step that's well. a good point, good, good point you you raise that that person who goes onto your site let's say if you're doing e-commerce and they're buying that 997 or 97 47 these funny numbers that have to be consistent across the web right um mm. and uh they click on it right away seeing one video it's like an impulse buy right mm. you're at shopping you're at walmart well i'll talk about the u.s now or you're at a Lidl, maybe over there where you are, um, you know, and you're at, you see the chocolate bar, you buy the chocolate bar because it's right in front of you and realize you didn't really want it, but you bought it. So um, a very similar situation here is an impulse buy. Um, and you're talking about building trust with your, I guess, your service, your, uh, your, your agency, your platform. Uh, and, and we had this conversation about trust, right? Many, many, um, uh, smaller businesses and to some extent middle market companies not so much uh, they don't want to extend the process of building trust because they want lead okay and they want to talk to somebody who they want to pitch and be able to close the customer so in our conversation before we talked about trust and trust can take depending upon who you're talking to a long time and um, you know and, and from our perspective, as I shared, we want to get a customer talking to us or we're talking to them and we want to qualify them. 
We want to see if they got the money in the budget, that they're the decision maker, and we want to move them to close and get them into some kind of sales process, right? And that trust word, you know, it, and, I, and I know where you're coming from, you know, your pro approach, but can you explain, you know, trust means how much time? <laughs> you know, then like a, a week, or like six months. Yeah, yeah of course, of course. Well, the best way to um, to describe it is there's a wonderful there's a wonderful piece of research that was done about 2013 in Europe, and it was it looked at something like 700 different businesses across the world, and it looked at this how they converted into sales and how they built trust, and this this has really played out in practice really nicely for me. So that if you just chase sales, I know um, you're, you get this sort of up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down, make a sale every month, enjoys, your business is going, but it never hugely grows. But if you invest in trust, after about, say, six months to a year, you start to convert on that trust. It won't be immediate, but eventually, after one to three years, you really start to cash in on, on that trust. So when you ask to make a sale, it's so much quicker to make it. So those leads convert quicker. But if you just keep doing sales, short-term buy now promotional messages, you don't build a brand. And when you don't build a brand, it means you haven't got long-term trust built. So it's kind of like, do you buy, do you, do you buy something today? Uh, if, you, if you've got $10, do you invest $5 in, in, in it to buying something today to keep you alive? And then do you invest the other $5 to actually accrue interest and you get that money back in one to three years time? It's exactly the same with trust. You build the trust one after a year to three years you really start to cash it in and it's so much quicker to make a sale when you've got that so that's why top of the funnel stuff excuse me if i'm talking any jargon here but right. you know the, the top of the funnel stuff like um at the moment pr and online videos particularly powerful as well as well as obviously podcasts and things like that just to grow awareness just so people can kind of get you and i think live streaming video as well is very important because you kind of get you get to know that person very quickly but after a while, all that comes quite frustrating because you've got to hit sales targets. So you've got to have a way to try and lead people through to a, it might be a list they sign up to and you get the obvious white papers you might download as well. But, um, but yeah, it's, for me, it's, it's really important that that top of the funnel stuff's quickly got to lead into the middle of the funnel where you can start to convert people into like a warm and a, and a, and a hot, hot leads from there. But yeah, it's a numbers game. So to be more practical or more tactical, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I'm trying to explain this a little bit to make sure I understand it. Be more practical, tactical rather. So, mm -hmm. so long-term trust building. Mm -hmm. So you end up doing a short-term sale, and you're always kind of going up and down in revenue. Short-term, uh, long-term trust building is again. I'm just using my words. It's a video, a blog post, a podcast. You're out there with this information that ideally people are finding, right? And we're obviously in your marketing channels, whatever that is. And, that, and obviously you have good SEO, you're on LinkedIn, you're on Facebook. So there's people out there watching you, they hear this stuff, but then you get the other side of the business, which is the one that is trying to generate inbound leads, right? Um, yeah. That are more hotter, if you will. Uh, and you're kind of doing those in tandem so you're doing the long-term trust building, subject matter expert, kind of like, like you, like, let's say the brain wheel. Uh, and then you're doing the lead gen, let's say by email marketing, you're doing other stuff with giving you more hot leads regularly. You're kind of doing them both. Did I, did I get it right or did I, did I miss something? You're, uh, you're absolutely bang on. You're absolutely bang on. That's it. That's it. So I think things, the best in terms of tactics for building, for building trust, I find that especially for B2B stuff, I mean, things like this, like podcasts, for example, are really, really important things because sure, people might not buy from you today, but when they cut, when they want to come to buy, you'll be more top of mind as well. So that means they'll move down to the funnel, maybe not today, but maybe in six months to a year's time as long as you keep repeatedly doing great podcasts like this, for example, you're kind of always there in their head. So when they come to buy, they're ready to do it. But there's always got to be, I think it's really important to have some embedded call to action actually in what you do. So for example, you know, podcast today, you listen to any other podcast. I think it's really important to say, you know, what you do, you could even mention your email address, your website, you might casually mention the, the things you sell, right? So I'll do an, I'll do an overt embedded sell, right? They say, you know, and I do one-to-one -one consultancy, I do email consultancy and I write, I write books. Um, 
Okay, so that's probably it. Anything more is too much than a cell. But if you put the embedded cell in there, you've wrapped your, your message into a big trust above the top of the funnel thing. And then hopefully, you know, obviously people click through to your site, they sign up to, um, to your sales page, to your list, your email newsletter. And then, as you say, exactly the short-term sales tactics like email, um, targeted, targeted face camp, Facebook ads, for example, uh, work particularly well for B2B um, display online, you know, all the short-term stuff that just drives immediate traffic. And, you know, the short-term stuff is wonderful because you can measure it. But the problem is just because you can measure it and you can see the direct traffic doesn't actually mean you're growing a business. It doesn't mean you're growing a brand. And the, the problem when you're trying to build trust is it's really hard to measure, right? So a podcast, like what, what's the value of, of, of a podcast going out? It's very hard to measure how, when you're going to get this return on your, on your investment. And actually it's probably going to be one to three years time. And the only people who can genuinely afford it are the Walmarts of this world. And I've worked with friends who have, who actually do this as their job. They're called econometricians. <laughs> and oh, really? they yeah, they're very clever guys and they will measure where, you know, how well your, um, how well you're at your active, your brand trust, your brand stuff like podcasts or TV or your press and outdoor is actually working. And when you actually get that return and it costs tens, hundreds of thousands at times to do so, but for the smaller business, the ones who have more, uh, budget consciously i'm afraid it, it, it is about faith but i tell you what if you don't do it you really know because you're just chasing chasing the same numbers week in week out month in month out not really growing a business or a brand so um so doing it is good but it's just very hard to measure um versus the short-term stuff yeah no no i gotcha and um as i when it comes to the actual tactical um um you know lead gen that a lot of businesses want. Uh, what we tell or we suggest to companies is that, and, and we also do it ourselves, that if we are talking to a customer who for some reason is not ready to buy, even though they reached out to us because they don't have, let's say the capital at the time, um, or for whatever reason they may say, they may say it's something else, but at the end of the day, it's capital. Uh, we add them to our email list, right? And we, 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 uh, we blast out emails maybe once a month, sometimes twice a month with content, um, sales content with, um, with the offer, let's say an offer maybe once a quarter, and then we'll stay in their inbox. And it, it, we get people reaching out to us three years later, um, yeah. four yeah. years later, and we look at our CRM and we see when was the last time we had a conversation it was four years ago and we totally forgot about them. Clearly we made the multiple contacts, but didn't work out. And we put them in our funnel to, you know, our email marketing. And that's very tactical. Um, and, uh, and, and again, you're building a business, you're building a brand. If you're on the startup side, right? Um, yeah. so, uh, we do this regularly for ourselves um, as well. So that's real, real life experience. Um, when you, uh, I guess, when you're, um, uh, that report that you talked about that was in 2013 that was overseas, mm -hmm. right? Uh, talked about building trust and buyers and how people buy, I guess, in, in London or the UK, right? Europe. Um, yeah. uh, that's a lot different than the way people buy over here, okay? So, uh, help me, um, or help obviously me to understand and also the audience understand, um, the buyer persona in Europe versus the buyer persona <laughs> here. Um, <laughs> I, I got my, and we talked about this as well. I got my, I have personal experience and we have internal data on this, um, mm. difference between a buyer in London and, or in the you know, UK. Uh, and a buyer in the U.S. So I'll let you go first. Of course, I think that's a really uh, that's a very very good question because there's a lot of truth. You know, there's enormous amounts of truth in it, right? Because the the European buyer is quite different. So I've got a very actually I've just I was working on a project a few months ago where uh, where a huge gaming streaming um, a big gaming streaming brand wanted to launch in Europe, and they're American. I can't really say the name, but you could, it doesn't take too much guessing to work out right. And the, the big, um, the big problem is that in in Europe, that having if you try to sell to Europeans 
if you're trying to sell t- tickets to this event, for example, or you're trying to sell to Europeans, the buy now, buy now, buy now type approach or the heavy selling thing just really switches people off. It's a really big issue. Um, but in the States, you guys are far more relaxed and it's wonderful. I think it's part of your, your culture, which is really good, is that you know, you're very open and very welcoming to sales pitches and you'll talk to somebody about it. And then if you don't want to buy, you'll just say, I don't want to buy. But in Europe, there's this sort of, you, you feel like you're slightly attacked almost, or it's like, it's slightly intrusive into your, in, into your world. And so if anything, I'd say you almost need to do the softly, softly trust building stuff for a bit longer with Europeans. And only when they give you their consent, do you say, go in with your, your, your sales stuff. So, you know, we've had, uh, GDPR. I don't. Have you heard of GDPR? I, no, I what is that? So, right. So this was huge, right? So this is really good. Hopefully, you know, for your um, for your US audience, especially if you're trade, you know, if you're trading a, a, a broadband, you know, in Europe, is that there's this huge, um, there's this big campaign about privacy and data and information, and companies, small, medium, large, have been collecting email addresses and tracking people without their consent for a long time. They've given people really poor opt-in boxes, so they've tricked them with a way they've written a, a way to opt-in for an email campaign, and they didn't realize they were there. Their data was being sold across the board, and they never consented for it. So what's happened is that there's a huge European law. You can get fined something like 2 to 4% of, I think it's about 2 to 4% of your, your, in your total revenue for the year um, as a fine if you don't, if you can't show the European government or a, your local government, your, the GDPR body in Europe, the data you have is has been collected with complete clear consent and that even and that involves tracking people on websites too so this has caused a lot of issues and uh, one company a fashion retailer i think it was went uh, went under pretty quickly so you, you had to just jettison and get rid of your whole email list if you've if you've got you know if you've got that list through dodgy affairs so you know the, that's a really good example of how Europeans really are quite, um, you know, they don't like being sold to, they don't like being tracked too much. Um, and I think it's a big cultural difference. I mean, it's great in the States that you guys just, you, you seem to be far more open. You know, I lived in Missouri for seven months, believe it or not. And um, I, um, you know, I appreciate that um, it's nice how open you are to having these sales conversations if you're just not interested. You just say, I'm not interested and everyone's happy. <laughs> it's slightly different over here. Yeah, Missouri, the, it's called Missouri. Um, ah, right, the show yeah. me state, okay? Yes, yes. You know, I, don't, yes. I don't believe anything. Show me, okay? That's what it was. <laughs> um, yeah. So yes, the it's interesting um, that uh, European buyers are more do not want to be sold to. They want to be a buy when they're ready to buy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and versus the U.S. Um, buyer or the U.S. Uh, consumer business has. You know, they may not like the pushy salesperson and all that. We get it. But but they are more accustomed to being sold to uh, mm. and being basically asked questions directly to um, about their interests and their qualifications in a different kind of way to determine whether we're the right fit or the product is the right fit. Uh, it's a lot different. Now, the challenge is companies that are overseas in Europe coming mm. here to the U.S., wanting to engage with businesses and vendors in the U.S. Uh, they, we, we engage with them in a U.S. mentality, saying you want to come into our market, you want us to help, you know, whatever, help you grow your company, what have you. They are still operating in the European mindset. Yeah. And we're talking to them in the U.S. mindset. Like, you know, this is the cost. When is your timeline? Who else is involved in the decision making? When will you get back to us? Then, then they, the response is, oh, um, you know, we'll, we'll review and reflect and we'll talk about it internally. You try to get them into a box and they don't, they, they don't want to commit. Uh, and uh, so we have to suggest to them that this is the next point of contact. Uh, and they, they tend not to like that. Uh, and but then they forget they're coming into our market. Yeah. So our market yeah. operates differently now. If I'm going to sell in Europe. I need to be aware that that's the way Europeans make decisions. Um, mm-hmm. So it's interesting because uh, um, our sales approach here could rub a lot of Europeans the wrong way. 
uh, because they're waiting to be, you know, what I what I would call coddled. Okay, uh, you know, when you're ready, when the baby wants to burp. Okay, and you know, all, all that kind of business to change the diaper. You know, um, you know so that that's uh, kind of the way I I see it in our experience. Mm. I do you know I I think you you've really hit on something because what 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 really strikes us over here is that the customer you have such a great history of customer service over in the states. I mean, you go into a restaurant in the states you you know you sit down you have a you know burger and fries or something but the service is impeccable i mean it's so good i mean over here it's, we have been slowly catching up with that but i think when you try to come to to when you're thinking of buying something over at least over in europe there isn't that expectation that the service you get once you bought it is actually going to be good so you're going to be more resistant to wanting to buy it but maybe it is in the States that actually you, customer service has always, always been fantastic. You know, it's got, that's the perception anyway, that, that you know, customer service in the States is really strong and you do anything to help them once they bought it as well. And I think, you know, that make, makes you more open to have a sales conversation when somebody's trying to sell because you think actually they're still going to be there anyway uh, once they bought it. So I think there's a big cultural difference there. No, absolutely. Can you share a little bit, uh, Simon, uh, about, uh, I guess an example of your approach, I guess, your um, support assistance consulting services with a client that kind of use some of your strategy um, to help them get more leads, build trust, whatever that is. Again, you don't have to say the client's name, it's just <clears throat> maybe, maybe the industry, you know, but just give us an idea of what we're talking about here. Yeah, of course. No, that that's that's a really good idea. So I'm this this is all going to be very very European focused. So, um, so for example, uh, there's a big I'm trying to think. So startup guy I'm working with at the moment, right? He's very very good, um, great brand. It's it's to do with the the travel sector at the moment. So in terms of getting leads for this guy, it's simply doing. It's an editorial thing. So you go to the website, you come along and you visit. And when you're actually when you're actually on the site, what you want to do is you want to convert those people into, um, I suppose, third party. Um, basically, you get paid for visiting the site and sending to a third party link as well. So actually, the the so, goal to to actually get those leads is actually quite it's it's quite a simple tactic. It's a lot of Facebook advertising, for example. So what you really need. I mean, I think Facebook advertising is, is very strong. It's very good for direct response and especially if you're doing editorial work. I mean, Facebook works incredibly well for that. And I know the algorithm's been changing, but still, it's still performing. So targeted Facebook advertising campaigns based on interest and also age groups as well, because there's clients of mine who also has a, um, it's not just sort of typical demographics, it's a psychographic thing as well. So yeah, that means things like attitudes and you can target by attitudes, you know, things they're into, like alternative travel, for example, and actually sending people to that site via Facebook advertising is a really nice way of doing it. So that's a, that's a very quick tactic. The other one is, of course, by, you know, podcasts like this as well, as well, that goes out into the ether, um, and you can clearly direct traffic that way. That's a really nice brand sort of trust building thing, something that Facebook advertising doesn't do um, so well, and actually driving to that site. And when they're on that site, there's, of course, a journey they need to take in order to click on that link and in order to get paid as well. So once, they, once they've done that, that's clearly about getting your pages right, right optimization, right keywords, but more, more importantly, making sure there aren't too many clicks to get to their, to their search result they want. And when they click on that, then, then the client of mine gets, gets paid, for example, which is nice. So podcasts and um, Facebook advertising, very strong, but also PR. Um, one, I know it sounds tough, but, um, I mean, PR might sound a bit old, old school to some people, but if you do great, um, so you've got a really nice convent, unconventional idea like, um, uh, like my client has, I can't really reveal too much about him for a few sensitive reasons, but the idea is that he's got an un unconventional idea about how to, how to search for travel sites. Uh, we have a beer brand over here, for example, who wanted to stand up against mass market beers and they had a great PR story, which was about uh, the smallest protest in the world because they were a small uh, brewery and they stood outside the, the big mass breweries with a placard saying the smallest protest in the world. And that's all free. You just pay somebody who's a, I think who's a dwarf. You go outside, you hold the placard and then you get a lot of press, a lot of PR. But that's really, really powerful because the coverage and the reach you get to the customers you need to get is very, very strong. 
So PR, Facebook advertising in particular, are very good and things like podcasts are nice. Um, and I liked one more tactic which he isn't doing, but I would recommend to people is that online video, I know online video has been going around for a while, but um, but actually doing really strong um, emotionally fueled online videos that talk about the customer's world. And I know it sounds a bit a bit vague, but uh, but Ariel do a very good job. They've done a very good job in India talking about how it's the father's role to take responsibility uh, for the washing. And actually vi little videos like that that don't need to cost companies too much to make can really drive people as well to your site as well. So that's, that's a really nice way to do it. Um, and going back to my client with a travel website as well, you know, you have things like um, it's B2B marketing because you need to get partners on board. Um, and I think things, there's of course one-to-one -one meetings are good, but actually direct events, live events are, um, I think, really important, especially over here with trust because you get to see people in the flesh. Mm. You can all, you can organize them. And, you know, online is really busy. Online is a really busy place as well. And especially if you're doing B2B trust where you're, you know, you're trying to get partners on board to send people. Uh, you know to uh, to build affiliates with and partnerships with where you can share revenue actually having live events as well where you can um, then funnel people from that event into a list that they tick and agree to be on is a really nice way of, of, of doing things and then you can go in for the one-to-one -one meeting to, to to close it so um so yeah i hope i hopefully that kind of answers your question but it's um but there are there are definitely some good b2c ways and good b2b ways to actually drive things no, absolutely, yeah. You said um, uh, some Facebook advertising to drive traffic to a, uh, a website or to a landing page, an affiliate kind of website. Uh, you, did, you said some video, doing some passion uh, video. Uh, you said PR, doing some PR as well and kind of helping that, yeah, to drive traffic, uh, interest. Um, you know, it's all the brand building and trust and, and getting your name, your name out there. Um, my, yeah, my, my experience, uh, at least, and what I've heard from people um, on uh, regarding Facebook advertising in general, that it is good for certain things. It is good for a direct-to-consumer sale. Um, yeah. To some extent, it's good for B2B. Um, but what, I, what I've heard and also what we've experienced uh, is that the more, the larger the ticket item, the harder it is to get sales from it. Um, yeah. And because, for, not that the, a decision maker, let's say a COO or a VP of finance is not on Facebook, because you can target them that way, they're on there. But, you know, are they on there looking to buy something that you're selling for 20 grand? You know, so, you know, I guess, I don't know what your experience is or your feedback on that is, but that what we've experienced and also other companies have told us the same thing. You want a direct-to-consumer sale? Facebook. You want a small B2B sale? Small, whatever that means. Thousand, maybe 800, 900, maybe 1500. Maybe you can, you can get some sales there, but you start going up at that 9, 10, 12, 15. It doesn't now, it's good for branding. Name recognition, they'll see your name. You may track them somewhere else through remarketing, right? Get to LinkedIn or something. The name will come up again, right? So you're kind of branding if, you got a, if you're looking for a bigger sale. But do you want to spend money on Facebook to not generate the lead and the sale to do branding? So what, well, I just gave you a lot there. Go ahead. No, no, you, you actually, you, you've said um, some really good stuff there, in, you know, my opinion, because with Facebook advertising, I, I'm a B2B guy, you know, all I actually want, I don't want thousands, I just want 50 clients. Right, that's right. I'm a group consulting guy, I like smaller numbers, it makes me, it makes me happy, you can do something with a lot of meaning mm -hmm. then as well, so I've, I've done some Facebook advertising right from the start, I, I, I can't, obviously not going to swear, but you get the worst, <laughs> get the worst email signups mm -hmm. from Facebook, There's, there's no qualifying. They don't know who you are. You don't know who they are. And they're the people who I think out of the ones I've had sign up to my, um, my newsletter, I don't really get many unsubscribes, which is really good. But the ones I do get from have actually been Facebook advertising, um, more than not, you know? Um, and I, I just don't, I don't like it. You know, I'm, I don't like it. LinkedIn. I'm a huge fan of, I've, um, 
I, I think it's um, very strong. The advertising on LinkedIn costs more. It is a more expensive way to do it. The of leads you get, right? <laughs> I think it's worth it. You know, it's, I, do you know, I think the most, funny enough, I have worked in, um, I was working with a printing business, actually, well, on behalf of a last printing business last year, and I, I, for reasons, confidentiality reasons, I can't uh, say the name, but they were big and they're a household name. There are some really, really, there's one really nice um, tool on online called, it's called Science, C-Y-A-N-C-E. And what's really nice about this is you can target, um, you, when, when somebody from a business that you're trying to target is searching for your product, you, you, can, you can actually find out who is searching for, from your business, ba- sorry, for your product based on the keyword they're searching for. And you can actually find out which business it is. You can't find out their name, that you can find out the business they're from. And science is a really nice way of predicting where your next sale is going to come from. And I've used it before. It's really nice piece of, um, really nice piece of software. And not only you can see also how, how often, how frequently that keyword, which hopefully is the, you know, your product name is coming from that business as well. So you can see if it's say it's been searched for, uh, say you have a, a product like, um, you know, big printers or your, you know, Simon Lamy brain wheel printers or something like that. And somebody has been searching for that. You can then see which business that's come from and you can see how frequently they've done it. So it's been five times, 10 times in the last month. And you can see how warm those leads are likely to be. And that's really nice because that takes you one step further to it. Does it tell you the name of the person in that business? It doesn't. Does it tell you whether they were just searching because they were bored over lunchtime whilst having a sandwich or does it tell you they're really interested in buying from you? It doesn't, but it does take you one step closer. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm liking the way this is going, but, um, for me, it never talking to somebody one-to-one for B2B stuff. Nothing beats that still human to human stuff. Never, nothing beats that for me. So you're saying science, C-Y-A-N-C-E. Yeah. And in yeah, that exactly. tool, just to summarize what you said in that tool, if someone is searching for, um, IBM computers, uh, yeah. or Dell computers, you put mm-hmm. that term into science, and then when they're, what, I don't, do you have to actually have the name of the company that's searching for Dell? So I'm a sales guy at Dell Computers, and I want to know everybody who's searching on Google for Dell Computers. Do I have mm-hmm. to, will it give me that information? Or do I have to put a company name? Let's say it's um, Lenovo. Yeah. Let's say it's Red Hat. Red Hat mm-hmm. is searching for Dell Computers. Do I got to put Red Hat into science? Or just Dell computers? Sure. So you've, you've got to put both in. Yeah, you've got to put Red Hat and Dell computers because what they'll do is they'll match the keyword with the, I, with the IP address, the web address. Got it. That's you have to, right. So you have to identify. So you've got to do some work here. You've got to identify mm-hmm. companies that you would like to have, in theory, as potential customers and yeah. then see if, you know, and, and, and populate that platform with those company names. And, mm-hmm. you know, and terms, I guess, uh, and yeah. see if they will pop up on your feed. Um, mm-hmm. and is it, is it a, um, is it a, I'm sure they have free and pro and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I don't even think they've got pro. Uh, sorry. I don't think they've got a freemium approach. It's actually, you've got to talk to a sales guy and get a demo pro. done as well. It's, it's, um, it's not quite like a crazy egg style thing. It's a bit more, it's a bit more, um, a bit less free than that. Um, but I mean, the, the way the process works, it is an involved process because what you have to do is you, you get, say, with science, for example, you'll get something like a, for your fee, you might get 100 keywords, search terms that you can look for. And you give these guys, you know, the list of terms and they could be product names, they could be top of the funnel terms, just like computers or personal computers. Mm-hmm. And then you give them this list and you've got to be really selective about this list. And this list has got to have top of the funnel stuff, middle of the funnel stuff, and bottom of the funnel, I'm going to buy now stuff as well. And you've got to split it according to what your targets and what your business goals are. And then what you then do is you then give them the target list of accounts or businesses that you actually want to reach as well. And then they will put that through their software. And then you'll see which of these businesses are matching up for those terms. There is some guesswork as well. Are you choosing the right search terms to give them as well? are you inputting the right search terms as well to match up to that business? Cause they could be searching under something slightly different. So it does require a, a bit of labor and a bit of time, but the results, um, you know, 
it, it can really tell you who is looking from within a company. So yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> no, yeah, no, sounds good. So we'll put that in the show notes. Uh, science as a as a, um, a platform to look at for our listeners. Um, what what are your thoughts on I guess um, and other marketing tools that uh, you either know of, have tried, like the you know the HubSpots of the world, the Marketos, you know uh, of the world that track uh, people who come to your site uh, and after you I guess you got them in an email platform. Then tracking uh, them coming back, those kind of things. What are your thoughts on, you know, marketing tools and ones that you uh, have should have people look at and recommend, and just what your knowledge is? Yeah, of course, of course. I mean, in in terms of those sort of the marketos type tools, I've I've got a way of being able to give them to someone else, but of course, clearly, I know obviously how they work. But one thing that I found particularly useful is way before you get to the before you get to the stale sales stage rather there's a tool called global web index i don't know if you've heard of that before but global web index global web index re- really nice because often when when people start out there i mean start out you know a marketing campaign they might have been in business for years or they're just trying to understand who their digital audience actually is and what are the demographics what are the attitudes and what these guys do is they run surveys every every quarter every three to six months and they they give you incredible detail about their likes their tastes um not just their not just their age or anything like that their country um i mean so an awful lot of detail and what you can do is you can profile build a really decent profile of who your audience is what they are where they live and what what media they're going to look at so when you if you want to if you're selling ibm computers for example um to c-level you know, people in, in companies, you should, you'll be able to tell which media, which percentage of media they, is it podcasts they really like? Do they really skew heavily for that? Um, and you'll be able to tell location, you'll be able to tell the interest they're in as well. So what that does is that really helps for things when you get to the targeting stage, say it's, um, say with LinkedIn, or even if you decide to do Facebook advertising, but you can be far more precise. So there's less wastage as well when you go down to um, when, when you do targeted advertising. So I'm a big, I'm a big fan of that. And of course it gives you decent personas as well. It gives you people to go, um, you know, to, to go and talk to. So that's rather nice. Um, I mean, personally, I, I use drip um, for myself as my email software, which I, I love. I love the flows, you know, drip um, email provider. No, um, I want to make sure I got this. So you said global yeah. Web index is yeah. a report. It's a report, right? Yeah, well, uh, GlobalWid is actually an online, it's a software, uh, it's an insight software tool in which you can build your audiences as well. So um, what that means is you can work out who your audience is and get some real detail about where they are and who, what they look like and their interests and go into far more detail than Facebook advertising. Can give you. So it's called Global Web Index. Is that a website? Uh, yeah, it's, um, what it is, it's an online, you, you get um closed access to an online it's a uh, online software tool where you can actually search through through your browser as well and start to start to build these custom built audiences got it okay so you so people would go to google type in global web index it'll take them to some some page and you can start building your audience and getting more information about your audience based on what you enter and then yeah. that'll guide you to where they are and then you hopefully would be there with your with your message, with your blogs, with your videos, with your, you know, whatever, whatever it is that you know, you, you'll be in. The, they're all on LinkedIn, then you want to be on LinkedIn, right? So if they're all yeah. on YouTube, you want to be on YouTube or whatever. But is that yeah. it? Okay, exactly. And it's, it's no finger in the air, sort of guessing with stuff. You just, you know, quite precisely who they are, what they like, and where they go to consume their their media and their content as well. And it gives you content preferences and things like that. Oh, it's really nice. What was the one you said before? Uh, your email? Uh, sure. So I'm using, I don't know if you have it over in the States, but they're really nice. Um, drip, drip.com. D, D is in David, R, I, P is in Peter. That's right. That's right. Like um, drip marketing. Yeah. Yeah. Very nice. So I, I use their automation tools actually within drip. So you can set up your own rules. It's fair. It's pretty intuitive to use. Um, so for example, a basic one. So somebody comes to my site, they sign up to, to the newsletter and they get, I've got a really nice free ebook they get. And, and then there's a couple of messages that come afterwards to help them understand that ebook. Right. Oh, so, wow. so that, that, that whole journey, I, I can plan out and I can see on my screen and you can set different rules. So if somebody visits the website, then you set a rule to say, send this ebook and then set a rule to say, send this email campaign, which is, contains three emails that you've set up somewhere else on drip. 
And then there's a rule to say exit campaign after that. And then it's really nice piece of software. It's very different to MailChimp, which I used before, but it makes it so much more simple to use. It's visual. It's a lovely, lovely piece of um, lovely email provider. No, that's good. Um, that's good. I, I appreciate you sharing that. Um, when uh, uh, we talked about LinkedIn before, about LinkedIn marketing, that it's kind of, it's one of the most expensive uh, marketing, right? Uh, Microsoft yeah. owns them now, right? Um, mm-hmm. So they were expensive before Microsoft uh, bought them. So I don't know what the cost per lead is. Last time I checked, just a while ago, maybe two years ago, it was about $15, you know, give or take per click if you will, um, is last time I checked. Do you remember any of those numbers? Sure, actually I had, I had much higher. I mean, I'm converting oh, dollars to pounds here as well, but um, I was looking at how much it would cost for me to target startups and small businesses to, uh, to one of, I wrote a book on Instagram and I was thinking, should I use LinkedIn to try and promote this book through paid advertising? And actually it was more like a 30 pounds, so it's like about $40, you know, for me to actually get some. Yeah, it's not significantly, okay. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And um, I just thought it just put me off and I thought I'm not going to make any money. You know, there's no ROI on this at all. So there's going to have to be another way to promote this. So it was just like double. I agree. And and again, uh, talking about, you know, LinkedIn, LinkedIn, extremely targeted B2B audience. uh, Mm. And it can narrow that to a very targeted group of people that is your buyer, right? Uh, Let's say... Um, let's say VPs of finance or CFOs, let's just say that. Mm-hmm. Target mm-hmm. those CFOs in a particular state. Uh, and so now you target, let's say, 1,000 or 2,000 people in the state. Mm-hmm. Then you throw some dollars on that. And your ticket item is you know, whatever, $20,000, $40,000. Then obviously uh, it, it's worth investing yeah. the $40. The problem is that they're, char- they're going to the Google model click 40 bucks versus click submit a form contact you that's worth 40 dollars. you know yeah <laughs> okay it, exactly exactly because <laughs> there are steps after the click right <laughs> yeah yeah so give me a 40 hours for a form completion i'll pay for that right versus yeah. 40 hours for a click that's uh yeah and again it, it depends how your, your your ticket you know do you have you know a five a five figure ticket six figure ticket Okay, then obviously it may make sense. Um, I mean, that's the thing. I've actually, because I do, you know, I've got my, what I call email consultancy product where it's, you know, it's it's an expensive high ticket thing. You know, it's about $5,000 a year or something like that to get clients. And I still decided to go against LinkedIn advertising. I've decided to go against Facebook advertising for it because the best results I get is when I, I, I'm fun enough, even though I've got a huge background in digital online, I'm now going offline more and more. So it's actually events, offline events, which work really nicely for me. They're very powerful things because even though you don't get many people, you know, you don't get hundreds of people, you get fewer people, but you really make such an impact there and you get to meet them in the flesh and you can do some really nice screening there and then without having to necessarily always go through a questionnaire. Um, and that's the way I'm, I'm doing it. And finally, I have postcards, right? <laughs> can you believe it? We don't get much post. No, we don't no. get mail, right? <laughs> And uh, if you do a lovely personalized postcard, there's a lot that can be done with it because you know, there's, your inbox is full, but your, your letterbox isn't, your mailbox isn't. So um, it's, um, I, I, would, um, I think there's a lot to say for going old school again as well. So digi- digital's uh, fashion, but yeah. Yeah, I don't disagree. Uh, uh, I think that you can do a mailing to a direct, mm. to a targeted population, targeted market, and you can target them on, let's say, social media, and then maybe... Uh, do some blog post on LinkedIn into the areas that they may be in. I think that it's definitely uh, a, a cost-effective way, although mailings are expensive, but generally speaking, meaning depending on what you mail, okay? It could be a postcard, but if you do a huge mailing, um, uh, but it's targeted, they're going to see it because I agree, mail is down. Uh, so it's definitely, uh, you're gonna, they're going to see the postcard uh, because it's, it's, uh, if it's a postcard. It's a card, you're going to flip it, and you're going to see it. You can see your name, you can see the company, they'll see it on LinkedIn, they'll see it in the email. Exactly. That whole brand building thing. So, uh, no, I get it. Uh, yeah, I think that, um, you know, we, we've covered a lot here uh, for sure. And um, uh, the website for uh, Brian, uh, Simon, sorry, is the, is the uh, 
the brain the the brainwheel.com correct that's right that's right the brainwheel.com wheel like a bicycle wheel the brainwheel.com it's simon lamy the chief brain there uh marketing marketing consultancy uh working with businesses to help them grow uh, in 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 the in the europe in london and obviously in the u.s strategy uh helping them to get to their customers and what i'd like to do is um go into our fast question lightning uh, round questions uh, and uh, just to get a feel for uh, some of the things that you like. So uh, do you like coffee or tea? Coffee. Hot or cold? Hot. Uh, favorite food? Pistachio nuts. Wow. Okay. So that's not even like a meal. It's more like nuts. All right. <laughs> that's okay. It's okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, where would you like to travel? Uh, if you, money was not an object, time is not an issue, where would you go? Argentina. Argentina. Okay. I'm sure there's a backstory to that. Um, the, uh, hobbies. What do you like to do? <laughs> I like calisthenics or bodyweight exercises. All right. So you're into the exercise thing. Good Love for you. Uh, great. Uh, biggest challenge that, that you see that marketing business, that businesses have with marketing? Consistent challenge across their, uh, a lot of businesses. Very simple. It's it's getting recognised for the work they actually, the great work they do. Right. So I need a little bit of explanation. It's not. It won't take too long. I know it's a one quick fire round. But the big thing I find is that you see small businesses, for example, doing great work, but they always always go to customers go to their competitors instead. That's a revenue issue, but it also causes a lot of pride. And I can see that consistently. Small businesses do great stuff, but don't get the attention they deserve for their great work. So. That's what I'm out to, to try and help small businesses solve. So, yeah. No, that's great. Great. Thanks for sharing. Uh, uh, hot dogs, uh, hot dogs, ketchup or mustard? Oh, I can't decide. Oh, man, I've got to have both. Can I say both? Yeah. Uh, you like both? That's fine. What about a hamburger, ketchup or mustard? Oh, man. Uh, ketchup, right? Unless you're in the States where it's got to be ketchup with French's mustard. And, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, um, Android or iPhone? iPhone. Okay. Uh, and uh, uh, PC or Mac? Mac. Yeah, obviously it's going to be with the iPhone. It's going to be a Mac, right? Um, yeah. So, uh, do you wear a watch or you just use your phone? Phone. Okay. That's it. Uh, thanks so much for, um, for being with us. And uh, it was a great interview. Thanks for sharing some of your insight and sharing some of your brain with us. Uh, I, I appreciate that. So you've been listening to the Sales Prospector Show. The interview has been with Simon Lamy at thebrainwheel.com. Uh, look at the show notes. You're going to see a lot of, of, of um, marketing uh, tips there, but also tools that you can go look at and uh, read through some of the stuff that Simon shared with us. Simon, it's been great uh, interviewing you, and thanks for being on the show. Well, thank you. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks very much, Kim. You're welcome. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye.